This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And on a beautiful night here at the Coliseum, the lights have taken full effect. Welcome to Taking Effect, an Oakland A's podcast with Ken Korak. Now, with an inside look at the A's, here's Ken. Baseball history is filled with stories of teams making remarkable moves in the standings in a short period of time. In the case of former A's pitcher Steve Sparks, his career took a seismic shift after he was released by the Tigers and signed by the A's at the end of August in 2003. That Tiger team would go on to lose 119 games. And when Sparks joined the A's, Ken Maka's team was in the midst of another of the A's patented second-half rallies that would eventually lead them to 96 wins and the AL West title. Sparks was a knuckleballer, and like a lot of knuckleballers, he was a late bloomer who first reached the big leagues at the age of 29. His career had plateaued in Detroit after he had won 14 games and threw 232 innings in 2001. By the time the 03 season was winding down, he was working out of the bullpen for a bad team and at the age of 35, looking for the chance to continue pitching, but also realistic to understand that his baseball life might be running short, as were his chances of pitching in a postseason game. But you never know when fate is going to tap you on the back. And so it was that Steve Sparks found himself in the middle of one of the most dramatic postseason series in recent memory when he entered the cauldron that was Fenway Park in the second inning of Game 4 of the 2003 ALDS, replacing the injured Tim Hudson. The first two batters he faced, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. Sparks, now a broadcaster for the Astros, reflects on that game, the series, in leaving the hopelessness of Detroit for the promise of a postseason run in Oakland. You know, it was awesome, and the Tigers really did me a favor. They, they told me, they said, there might be a couple of teams interested in your services. Later on in the year, you may have an opportunity to maybe even get to the playoffs with one of those teams, and... They kind of did me a favor because I was trying to help mentor some of the young players with Jeremy Bonderman and some of those guys with the Tigers that year. And lo and behold, the A's, Billy Bean was calling me, and uh, the Kansas City Royals uh, were in the hunt that season, and I got to pick one of those two, and I, and I chose the A's and couldn't have been happier about that decision. So when the Tigers released you, I think it was August 27th That's of right. that year, That's a good point. Um, you had a pretty good idea you were going to get a job. You know what? If I wanted to be – on a playoff roster, I had to sign pretty quickly. So what I had to do, the A's signed me on the 31st. They sent me to El Paso, where Midland was that day, and throw a bullpen, put me on the roster that day. So I was in the organization for one day before they flew me out to Baltimore to meet the Oakland team. So, uh, you know, I had a chance to be on the playoff roster if I'd pitched well in September. You know, go back to the Tigers. It is easy to make light of the fact that that team lost 119 games. Yeah. But after all, you're all professional players. You're all out there giving it your best. Alan Trammell is managing that team. How tough was that to endure something like that with that kind of losing? 
I think it was tougher as a veteran player because obviously you want to win and uh, at some point you want to contribute. But when the team starts losing really badly, and I had the same thing happen in 2004 with the Diamondbacks, they shifted their philosophy. They wanted to you know, evaluate a lot of young players. So, so the veteran guys were just stuck there to try to either be a good guy or a bad guy. And uh, one of those type of guys don't usually last in this game. And the good guys hopefully will help those younger guys. But it was tough. You swallow your pride. You try to help some of those guys get better. And you know they're taking your job. Now you're with the A's, and the A's go to the postseason. Mm -hmm. And the A's win the first two games of the best of five series against the Red Sox, a great Red Sox team here at the Coliseum. What was your thinking at that point with a 2-0 lead going to Boston? Well, I thought something magical was going on. Remember Ramon Hernandez laid down a two-out bunt to win the game, uh, the first game of that series. And it, this yeah, place in the words of Bill King, the element of surprise <laughs> reigns supreme. It was unbelievable. We were so excited. We were running out of the bullpen that night as soon as we saw him lay it down. And apparently Ron Washington uh, you know, just kind of nodded over to, hey, check out the third baseman. If he's playing back, you may have a freebie right here. Sure enough, he laid down a perfect bunt. And then Hernandez, obviously, not a great runner, not terrible for a catcher. Bang, bang, play at first base. So we ran out halfway, stopped for a second, make sure that the, the safe call was there, and then we all just exploded. A really fun flight, I remember going to Boston. That was a case, and I've talked to Wash about that, about how a third base coach can really make a difference. Really can. It's, a lot of times it's eye contact. You don't want to you know, put your fingers by your eyes and, and let a guy know. But if you can lock eyes with a player – I did that with infielders from time to time if I wanted him to move, but it's got to be subtle. And with a guy like Washington, and he spends so much time in the clubhouse and really getting to know guys, I think you get a, a sense to look for every advantage you can. And as crazy as it sounds for a catcher to lay down a bunt with two outs, that was the game winner right there. It was pretty cool. Sadly, I guess, in the memory banks for A's fans, there are certain things that stand out. And, and maybe they stand out more because the A's have had so much success and they've been in the postseason so many years, like the Gibson home run in the World Series and the Jeremy didn't slide in the Jeter flip. Now the A's have the third game in Boston when the A's have a 2 nothing lead. And then there are some base running issues, faux pas with uh, Miguel Tejada and Eric Burns. What was your perspective on all that? Well, I was out in the bullpen in right field at Fenway Park, and we're screaming at guys, you know, you, you got to keep running. We're talking, thinking about Miguel's, uh, where he just kind of stops and put up, puts up his arms. And, you know, you get caught in the moment, and we understand uh, such an emotional player like uh, Miguel felt like he was wronged in that instance. So he put up his hands, wanted the call from the umpire, but you still have to go. And he knew that. Same thing with Burns at home plate. You got to go back and touch the home plate. Uh, just one of those things that happens. I mean, you don't, you don't blame those guys. You're in the trenches with them. But it was, it was still fun. I mean, he's electric. Rich Harden comes in in that last inning, and sure enough, Trock nicks and uh, 11th inning, pokes one to center field, and, and we have to come back for another one. Don't remind me because I called that, you know, <laughs> center field home run. But now it's the fourth game, yeah. and Tim Hudson is the ace pitcher. Yeah. He pitches one inning, and he leaves hurt. Did you have any inkling that something was going on with Huddy? None at all. He's one of those guys where you expect to go six minimum. You know, it's like the Dallas Keuchel with this Astros team. is It's almost a, a day off for the bullpen, especially the long reliever like I was. So as a long reliever, Tim Hudson's pitching, very relaxed. I remember that night or that afternoon walking out to the bullpen, thinking about what a cool atmosphere it was. And the band Boston was playing up in the concourse, doing a little mini concert. And I thought, man, I love Boston too. And they were playing, and then they just went from one song right into the Star Spangled Banner, and then the huge flag rolled off of the Green Monster. And I thought, man, this is the 
best part of my career right here. I was so excited because mostly because I was so relaxed. I didn't think I was going to pitch that day. And what do you know, Tim Hudson, second inning, goes out to warm up for uh, his warm-up pitches before the second inning, and he felt something in his oblique. It was more than a feeling then. Yeah. It was more than a feeling, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then it got smoking. Yeah. So uh, to be honest with you, I had just come out of the restroom, and one of the umpires was running out toward the bullpen and uh, signaling a, a little knuckleball action with his hand, like bring in the knuckleballer. So I had to grab my stuff. And it, one thing I remember – Ken is that I was warming up out on the middle of the field, which is a reliever hates to do that when you have all the time in the world. You want to kind of hurry because, I don't know, I was kind of impatient anyway. And I remember thinking, I didn't have a very good year. Joe Morgan was in the booth doing the national televised game. I just imagine Joe Morgan was just ripping me for why in the world is this guy in the game? In such You're thinking morning. about that warming up? I really thought about that. Really? I was trying to hurry so Joe Morgan couldn't rip me any longer. So I got out there, uh, got four innings in, gave up a, a home run to Johnny Damon in those four innings, but we had come back and taken the lead. I was uh, up for the win if we had been able to hold on. It just didn't come out that way. When you're pitching, and you weren't a raw rookie, you had had a year with uh, the Tigers, I believe, when you won 14 games. So you'd been around the track a little bit. But now you're into the fourth game of an intense playoff series at Fenway Park. How do you calm your – I mean, maybe thinking about Joe Morgan might have helped a little bit, but how do you calm your nerves in that situation? You know, you always wonder about that in the minor leagues because I spent a long time in the minor leagues before I made my major league debut. And you're always wondering if internally and mentally you can handle – the, the bigger stage and I was always like that about the playoffs too I was wondering man I'd just love to see what it felt like uh, if I could you know calm myself down a little bit in the first inning I was a little shaky as far as uh, nerves but after that first inning I remember Rick Peterson our pitching coach coming up to me he said okay on your slow knuckleball and, and you loving golf you can relate to this instead of trying to just throw it slower and lobbing it in there think almost like it's a, a knockdown iron shot it's just a slower backswing but still have to accelerate through your release point to take the spin off the ball when I had that little image in there it kind of took away from the game itself at that point and when I did that my knuckleball got immediately better in my warm-up pitches before that second inning I pitched so I think that went a long way you really did pitch well I mean four innings and you mentioned the home run by Damon but that was just one of two hits you allowed yeah you know uh I, I knew the game was close, so I, th- I think I walked a couple of guys. But uh, you're pitching tough, you know. Even with my knuckleball, I was trying to make guys chase them just off the plate and trying to steer them a little bit away from the middle of the plate. But it was one of those situations that, uh, you know, in those in those situations, I always felt like I was pretty good at opposed to to a younger guy. Usually, when he's in trouble, he, he pitches a little faster, but a little higher. And I always had it in the back of my mind to go a little bit slower. And a little bit lower and I think you can prey on a guy's anxiety by doing that people always remember what happened in the third game and this has often happened over the years in baseball yeah. where in the next game you have the lead and the A's had a chance to close out the series late yes you said you were in line for the win and then David Ortiz hits the ball into right field and that was the game winning hit off Keith Folk in the eighth inning and Ray Fossey has never gotten over this the <laughs> fact that Keith Folk didn't throw a change up there you know, I, I think I could commiserate with, with Ray about that because we were thinking, or I was thinking, in the dugout the whole time, get him out on that changeup because he fouled a couple of pitches off. It looked like he was on his fastball. And I think Keith uh, mentioned that he felt like uh, Ortiz was looking for that changeup, and he thought that element surprises were going to get him. And most of the time, mistakes are due to location, but I think a changeup would have been perfect there too. 
So the A's lose the game, and unlike now, there's now a day off between the fourth game and the fifth game, which they didn't have back then. And for four consecutive years, the A's were in the fifth game of the division series and flying all over the place without the benefit of a day off. But the A's came out in the fifth game here at the Coliseum, and I remember I was on a talk show that day on a different station, and the, the host was kind of commiserating or trying to get me to talk about how bummed out I must have been that the A's had lost, and now you have to come back, and it's the fifth game. And I said, hang on a second. As a broadcaster, it's the fifth game, all the marbles, and you've got Pedro Martinez against Barry Zito. Yeah. Um, to me, that was pretty special. What was your thinking going into that game? You know what struck me is I remember before that game, and you're talking about fifth game of a five-game series, very confident with Barry Zito on the mound, obviously, and he pitched great here, and he's tailor-made for this pitch with all the foul territory and, and all that stuff. But I remember how loose everybody was in the clubhouse. And before even the anthem came up, guys were just talking, laughing, still putting on parts of their uniform on the way down the tunnel. They Some guys were even getting down there a little bit late. That's how loose they were. And... Uh, I, I noticed that with that team the entire time, and everybody talks about the loose clubhouse with the A's, but it, it was especially so in those playoffs, and I think that got the most out of all those players. Brutal ninth inning with Derek Lowe on the mound, and the A's had a couple of chances, yeah. and you know that's history, but uh, that was really one of the most frustrating ninth innings I think the A's have ever had. Frustrating is perfect. I remember Miguel Tejada coming in the dugout, and he was upset with the uh, little gesture that Derek Lowe made uh, after that last punch out, and he wanted to go over to the other club, clubhouse and, and take care of business, but everybody was frustrated. You know, you get up two, two to nothing in a series and, and lose three in a row, and especially with that last one at home, it's tough to take. Well, it was the, it was the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. The, the, that week, you know, playing in that series, playing playoff baseball for the only time in my career, and it's great to talk about it, great to think about it, and it's always good to see you, Ken. Steve Sparks pitched four innings in Game 4 in a pretty heroic effort on short notice in a tough place to pitch. He allowed two runs on two hits and had a no decision. He would pitch only one more year in the big leagues after the 2003 postseason with the Diamondbacks the next year. Now he's successful in business in Houston, and in 2013, his work ethic, love of the game, and his ability to explain it landed him in the broadcast booth where he works with Robert Ford on Astros Radio. It was fun to reminisce about his unlikely role in a great and dramatic series, but like all of them in those days, one that eventually led to heartbreak for the A's and their fans. We'll talk to you again on Taking Effect. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.